Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have a really cool guest on our broadcast today, my man Zach. He is in Arizona. He is a licensed massage therapist. This bad boy also plays in a band. I totally dig massage therapist musicians, by the way. And uh, he's got a podcast and it's it's bloody cool. I love, I love RMTs that are doing some real creative stuff so we have a phone call going on with my man zach zach why don't you uh tell the audience a little bit about yourself and then uh we'll we'll get into it we'll we'll talk about your career your life we'll talk about your podcast we'll even get into some music so i totally dig that too yeah thank you thank you so much (laughs) yeah so um I'll, i'll just start off with some personal info i guess um so I started with music um, very first, so I've been a musician for 20 years, been playing bass, upright bass, um, little keyboards, piano here and there, a little bit of drums. Right on. Um, so yeah, that that was my very first passion, and um, then I got into powerlifting, and I've been doing that for 13, 14 years. Wait, since, wait, wait. Uh, with the music, are you formally trained with music, or are you all like self-taught? Or I am formally trained, yeah. I, I had... A few bass instructors and then a, an upright bass instructor too. Nice, nice. So yeah, I played with orchestras, jazz bands, the whole nine. Yeah, you name it. What's your What's your favorite go of music? Because I was listening to your podcast the other day, and the intro music's your band, right? And that sounded pretty, that sounded <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. heavy. That didn't sound like uh, you know orchestra, upright bass music. No, I I love playing any type of music but um yeah one of my favorite bands is like tool and Soundgarden, and yeah like a little bit of heavier stuff yeah 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 definitely right on yeah sorry i cut you off on that yeah you were telling me about uh the music and then you got into powerlifting Mm -hmm. yeah so uh been a powerlifter since high school had never stopped since um i'll take like week weekly deloads here and there just to to rest up but yeah that been doing that competing since uh 2008 right on. so yeah i got into my first competition then and um it was a blast it, it's it's fucking hard but <laughs> it, it, it works yeah that kind of segued into massage therapy i had an injury and my buddy my training partner back home in chicago he he was like man you gotta go see a massage therapist i'm like what you want you want someone to touch me like no fucking way <laughs> Like it was just kind of kind of like taboo, I guess, or you know, just luxurious thing that people do. And I was like, no, no way, no way. Yeah. And yeah, I just finally did it. And yeah, one session, I was able to bench press again without any pain. Right. Kind of my light bulb moment that got me into school. And yeah, so nice. So how long ago was that that you had that first exposure to massage therapy? So that was. 2009 and then i i started school in 010 2010 nice so off that one single kind of experience you're like i think i want to explore this further yeah absolutely because yeah i was exploring things like music therapy and that's fairly new as well so i it wasn't just a wasn't a big exposure for that and it wasn't very lucrative not a big network so i was like i don't know about this i don't know if i can do music therapy and make a living so i wanted to help people but i didn't really know the vehicle Mm. so that's how i got into it i was like i can definitely help people with massage therapy so was massage therapy school how would you say that was for you not having health science background? You have this music background. And so like this is stepping into school, learning a whole new language, being in healthcare. How did that work out for you? Was school an easy go? Was it a tough go? What was that like for you? Well, 
Um, being that I, I did powerlifting, you know, started a few years before massage therapy, I had a very, very good understanding of how muscles work, antagonists, agonist muscles, the relationship, the kinesiology, the movement, all of that stuff. I understood already. So I had a really basic understanding of how, you know, fascia, connective tissue, muscle, muscle tissue all works. So that, that part of it really helped me. I've always sucked terribly with science though. Mm. So at a cellular level, couldn't tell you shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like the, uh, the athletics kind of gave you one step up in, in some of your classes? Absolutely. Right on. Yeah. So it, yeah, as, as far as like facilitated stretching and all that, I was, I was very good nice. at that. But, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. So how long is school? Did you go to school in uh, in Arizona where you live in? No, I, I started out in um, a northwest suburb of Chicago. Mm. That's where I lived at the time. Um, so yeah, it was 2010, and school was two semesters long. It was pretty short, but I think it was about 600 hours for everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right on. So give me a little bit of the, the career path. So you finish school. Wh- wh- where do you go next? Well... <laughs> I have a group also, and um, we were just kind of chatting about this the other day. Like the the salaries of massage therapists, mm-hmm. like ninety percent of therapists don't make seventy k or above. And we just kind of got on this rant about like how we all wish, like how, how if you could do things differently or experience things in a different way when you were in school, what would that be? Right. And I was I was thinking about that, and I was like, I really wish that there would have been more emphasis on entrepreneurship yeah. in school. There there was absolutely nothing. Most therapists do say that. And it's actually really funny because I used to teach at a massage therapy college and I did that for about eight years. And it's really funny to see that in Facebook groups, right? Everyone's asking like, you know, what do you wish school taught you more of? And, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, it's it's uh, business, entrepreneurship. I wish I knew a little bit more about that stuff. But you know what the really funny thing is? When you're in school as a student and like, you know, you have a oral practical exam coming up or you have some sort of anatomy exam or a physiology exam coming up, most of the times people don't give a shit about the business stuff. It's one of those things that most of the <laughs> students when they're there at that time, they don't, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees. They don't give a shit about it at that time. And it's not till they come yeah. out of school and, you know, they've got, you know, you know, they got their base level competencies down to practice as a massage therapist. It's those moments when they realize, fuck, I know jack <laughs> about business. And business is one of those things that I'm going to need to get a handle on if I'm going to make it in this fucking career. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because now I'm thinking like, well, was I just too focused on like actually getting through? Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, like maybe there was some sort of emphasis on like starting a self-practice, but yeah, I just don't remember. But I'm pretty sure... Yeah, there wasn't. And a lot of times that's just the mentality of the student at the time, right? Everything's everything's kind of new with the body work and the massage and everything that goes along with it. And you're so hyper-focused on that because, you know, that's that's what you went to school for. But again, it's not till you get out there and you realize, shit, I know nothing about how to make myself a successful massage therapist. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, so what's the group so you got I, going on? You have a Facebook group, right? I do, yes. It's a Successful Body Worker Tribe. Right on. Tell me so a little bit about is, that. This is... 
it's uh, my tribe and community, and we we talk all things self-care and longevity of the therapist. So we are absolutely crushing the burnout rate of three to five years and just trying to make a difference in, you know, how therapists last in the therapy field. So it's all massage therapists, and we, we have fun in there. We talk about different things, and you know, I'll, I'll post um, my exercise videos and stuff in there to, to help therapists stay in the game. Based out of the conversation from your group, what are they most concerned with? Where, where do they feel like uh, to have long? longevity they need to get to some information and some knowledge in in what areas um well i deal with mainly you know being a, a power lifter and a strength endurance expert i mainly deal with like the physical side of it you know we, we talk about all aspects of burnout but they're asking about like exercises and um how to strengthen their body mm-hmm. to be able to do uh, deeper work for longer, you know, how to deal with their injuries. We often, you hear this a lot. We often don't help ourselves the way we help our clients. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, we're like the, we're like the last to <laughs> to help ourselves. Right. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. We, we, we often know this stuff, but it, it just helps hearing about it again, you know, and having maybe somebody else explain it in a different way. Yeah, for sure. Especially because like, you know, this career, even though you are hanging out with people all the time, you know, you're constantly in the, in a room with your clients, it's isolating as fuck. I mean, you only see your clients, right? And if you're busy enough therapist, you don't see anybody else ever, even your office administrative staff, you're in there with one client, then the next client, then the next client. And then by the time the day's over, you've interacted with nobody, but these people that you've been hanging out with with for an hour at a pop and they're not therapists. So they don't have the same kind of insight. They don't have the same kind of concerns. It's not like you can, you know, start up a conversation with them talking about all the struggles associated with your business. I mean, that would be a bad idea anyway. Right. So I I definitely see, I definitely see how having these Facebook groups and stuff, super supportive for therapists. I totally dig it, brother. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've been loving it so far. I've I've had it open for two months now and it's just, it's taken off. (laughs) taken off a mind of its own it's got 500 members already so right on. yeah it's pretty good are you doing yeah. uh are you doing anything to promote that or is that just kind of uh natural growth it's happening all on its own very organically at first it was just personal invites and then my admins and um moderators and stuff they just went out and started adding people and it just kind of grew on its own nice nice so that's it's pretty awesome yeah tell me about this yeah. podcast though because i'm uh now that I'm doing these podcast things and I love, I totally love hearing other RMTs, registered massage therapists where, where I'm at for you guys, licensed massage therapists or certified massage therapists. I'm so into the idea yeah. of, of you guys, you know, jumping on microphones, spreading the word. Tell me a little bit about why you got into doing a podcast. So yeah, I'll first preface by saying like, I agree, like more massage therapists need to get on and start speaking. Mm. Why do, why do you think that? Like you said, like we're just stuck in this treatment room all day, right? Yeah. So we're just talking to our clients solely. And I don't know, I think we all need to help each other. Mm-hmm. We need to, you know, voice our opinions and I don't know, just get out there more. Yeah, for but sure. um, yeah, I started the, the podcast to kind of parallel to uh, my successful body worker pages and stuff, but it's, it's all just kind of a, a deep dive into the content that I, I regularly speak about. So you know, if you're on your way to work and you have a 40 minute drive, I can, you know, talk a few minutes here and there about, you know, strength training and um, nutrition and, you know, just go into deeper details on stuff that can 
help with longevity. So it's it's all having to do with longevity and self-care. So your podcast is really kind of geared for the therapist versus general public. Yeah, it's, it's kind of super niche down. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, different people know therapists, hopefully, and they can kind of see that too. And, yeah, but, for sure. Yeah. So give me a little bit about the podcast. What have you got, like six six episodes so far? Uh, I, yeah, I think there's seven or eight on there now. Okay. I want to say I've been batch producing the the content and stuff. So <laughs> I'm not sure of the exact number now, but right, right, right. Um, yeah. So it, it all started with, you know, how, how I got to helping therapists and um, really enjoying that. And then, you know, how strength training helps us and different reasons why therapists burn out, lower back injuries, body mechanics issues, dealing with certain different things. So that those are all the episodes so far. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, you know, delving in, you know, deep diving into these certain things. Let's let's get into it, man. I want to I want to hear your take on this then. So the majority of the therapists that are in your group or that you've been in contact with, are they avid exercisers like you are, sir, or are they now discovering that fuck, if I'm going to stay in this game, I got to I've got to get myself in some sort of physical shape. Yeah, so I did an Instagram poll in the very beginning when I started Instagram yeah. and um, get this like 33% of LMTs don't do any sort of exercise. Like completely sedentary. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's, it's still a better number than the other half, 77%. But yeah, I think it, it could be a lot better, mm-hmm. you know, so a lot of therapists don't in exercise as a whole, a lot of them don't even strength train. Right. So you know, strength training is not a do-all, end-all. I like having more endurance in the treatment room, but it can definitely help. So the strength training program that I've developed, it will help you get stronger and have longer lasting endurance to help you kind of crush a fucking week without like being ran over by a Mack truck. Yeah, yeah. So this is a, this is a so, resistance training program that you developed specifically for massage therapists? Correct. Right on. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. What does it look like? So I, I can't uh, indulge too much information to you because it will be out soon. Gotcha, I promise gotcha. you that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There, there will be a, a compound movement that, you know, will be, you basically use progressive overload to strengthen all of these areas that are within that strength training program. Yeah. And you build it over time. So you never really get bored with it. Right. You're always changing your exercises. You're getting stronger. You're changing one aspect or variable of the exercise, whether it be uh, your sets or your reps or your rest time mm-hmm. or the actual exercise. You're just getting better with the actual movement. It sounds like you're um, utilizing like a little bit of periodization of training specifically for massage therapists. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's a sexy word, periodization. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all kind of broken down in, in terms of strength training and powerlifting, but it's, it's in the therapist's eyes, it's like more tailored to them. Right on. So yeah, we're, we're doing a, a main movement that kind of helps with certain body mechanics that they use, like, you know, standing with a, a power stance or sitting with a power stance. Yeah. And then, um, so strengthening that, and then we have like assistance exercises that help with those muscles. And then we have grip training and then like cardiovascular endurance and then things having to do with structurized. So we're, we're helping posture, abdominal strength, glute strength, everything. So so what areas are the most important for massage therapists to have a certain degree of strength and endurance and assumably flexibility as well? I would say definitely since we do stand a lot mm-hmm. as therapists, abdominal strength, I will say, is a must. 
Um, abdominal bracing, knowing how to brace your, your abdomen, your pelvic floor, all that stuff properly, using your lats, erectors, glutes, hamstrings, abdominals, so as your diaphragm, mm -hmm. all that stuff needs to work together and in accordance to help you brace properly. And that's going to kind of build a, a strength and armor around your spine to protect it. A lot of therapists have lower back pain and disc issues and stuff like that, and it can all be helped with bracing. I feel like if you were at any time to punch a therapist in the gut, they're not going to be <laughs> bracing properly. They're not going to know how to do it. I'm going to try that out. And that's man. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely is a problem, especially if you're looking to have super longevity in this in this field. Yes. You know, you do have to almost train. Yeah. You have to train like an athlete. You have to train like someone that does a lot of physical work. And I mean, yeah, we smart. do. It, it's yeah. it's it sounds goofy because you know how much physical work are you doing in comparison to say someone that does construction or someone that does contracting? You know, it's not the same degree, but you're just kind of doing these repetitive things, repetitive postures over and over and over again. And uh, yeah. to to approach this profession without having the proper stability, the proper strength, the proper endurance, and then we know the importance of the cardiovascular system, not just for you know your heart and lung efficiency but at the end of the day the more cardiovascular efficient you are cardiopulmonary efficiency you have the quicker you can recover from training from working so i totally get it man i i totally dig what you're doing hell yeah yeah so abdominal bracing um glute strength yeah. hamstring strength legs you know just all of your power comes from your hips you know that mm -hmm. so just building upon the base that you already have the, the baseline strength that you've you've built from being a, a therapist for a few years and just doing deep tissue, just building upon that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And getting you feeling better. So tell me about your original injury that you had that landed you to seeing a therapist. What happened there? <laughs> okay, so in 2009, I was just being a dumbass and um, <laughs> I, I was going to bench press 450 pounds yeah. to, uh, have you heard of like board pressing? So Yep. Powerlifters use like a stack of two by fours on their chest to like do a partial range of motion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had I had four hundred fifty pounds and um like that's a that's a weight I've done before just to to practice like lockout strength and stuff like that. But it came down wrong and my right side fired first Ooh. and it was <laughs> all you know three hundred pounds on that one side pushing up first. Yeah. And yeah, so it was like. Pec major, pec minor, rotator cuff, and serratus all just like, it didn't tear, but it, it really like strained really bad. Yeah. And I couldn't even bench press the bar the week after. Mm. It hurt so bad. Yeah, just kind of all locked up. And I think there were maybe hairline fractures, but, or um, hairline tears. But mm -hmm. yeah, I saw a therapist after my buddy told me to, to go do it. And yeah, it, it helped that much. I was able to put 135 on the bar again and rip it out without pain. So right on. I was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. Did you ever get it back to the point where you were? Oh, hell yeah. It was one month later. Oh, nice. It just all... It's just all locked up, you know, and I, yeah. it was just kind of guarding around that joint. So once it started healing back up and I just reoriented with the movements, I got back up into the, the 400 pound range. Were you seeing any other, uh, any other modes of fit therapy other than massage therapy? Like, was there physio in the mix or was it just massage therapy that you're doing? Yeah. So the, the guy was, um, he was actually like a mixed PT. So he, he did massage therapy and Graston hmm. and then, um, like heat wave therapy. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it was a kind of a mixture of the three. That sounds fucking awesome, yeah, man. I know. <laughs> 
I was like, dang, this is so fucking awesome. Yeah, that's a and that's a pretty quick recovery from that too. Yeah. But you had apprehension about uh about getting touched. Tell me <laughs> tell me what the apprehension was. Or <laughs> or was this, you know, your very typical macho dude type of thing? To be frank with you, Mark, because I had that macho powerlifting mentality. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't want to be vulnerable, but I was like, I, I have to put this aside because what if this does help me? Right. You know? I don't know. I, I was just so young then. And it, it's funny how, how much I've changed, you know, macho kind of superficial um, to being energetically and spiritually in tune with myself, just comfortable in my own skin. And it, yeah, I don't know. How did you grow like that? Was was that a conscious decision on your part? Is that something you're like, fuck, I'm kind of like a, I'm kind of like a typical bro kind of close-minded dude and if i'm gonna operate in the world of many different things i better change my ways was that like a conscious thing or was it or was it just kind of an evolution of you as a person no it it happens literally a year and a half later from that initial visit so like graduating from massage school mm -hmm. you know i i walk in to massage school my first day i have my powerlifting t-shirt on my gallon jug of water yeah shaved head and i walk in there and i just sit down on the floor with this group of people in a circle and i was like what the fuck am i doing here is it mostly females in this class oh uh, there were uh three other males at the time i was like okay you know what did your buddies have to say about you going to massage school like your powerlifting dudes i don't know they, they didn't really say anything to me about it but but once I started working, once once I started working, they're like, "That's awesome, dude! Like, when can you help me?" <laughs> nice. Okay, so you didn't you get know? any you didn't get any any kind of negative blowback on uh, getting no. into this industry. All right, so tell me about that that day. You walk in, you're sitting down in this circle, <laughs> you're all puffed up because you're a powerlifter, and you say to yourself, "What the yeah. fuck am I doing here? Give me more. Tell me <laughs> what happens next, man. I'm interested." Yeah. So out walks the uh, the energetic. Reiki teacher and she starts kind of like chanting these mantra things and like you have control of your own life today and you, you are your own vessel and you know and I was just like oh god Ugh. oh you're thinking like, you, uh, you're in this hippie dippy fucking moment <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny though, because those are the types of things that in those moments sometimes when you just don't, when you're just not on that same page, you're like, this yeah. is the fucking most hokey shit ever. Who are these fucking <laughs> hippie motherfuckers? I don't even want to be here. Why am I fucking here? I can't fit in. And then sometimes those are those, those are the things that once you, once you kind of evolve into yourself or, you know, you're looking to kind of change around what you're doing or you're looking for successful body worker mindset. These are the types of things that you end mm -hmm. up incorporating into your day-to-day -day. and it's so funny that something yeah. that in the moment right then and there you know you're just you just can't get the buy-in you just can't buy into it right right so going into you know that first day after that my other like um kinesiology and um, anatomy teacher he walked out and he's like i'll be honest with you guys this will be one of the hardest things that you ever do mm -hmm. with your life it is life altering, but I, I can't tell you it's going to be easy. Right. And, and he, what did he say? You will go into limbo. That, that's how he, he termed it. What did he mean you, by that? You will, so limbo as in you are going to find a dark place while you're going through this process. You're mm. going to find yourself, your, your kind of ugly self, yeah. and you're, you are going to kind of cocoon around it and then grow once you break out of that cocoon being a butterfly that's deep thing, shit, you know man. like yeah I, I was like oh shit <laughs> so I, I don't know if i'm ready 
So are, are you at this point kind of resistant to the idea or are you open to the idea? Because what I get from that kind of speech or, or your rehash of that speech is, listen, this ain't going to be easy. Not, not just academically, it's not going to be easy. All right. That we already know that being a massage therapist or going to school sometimes ain't that easy, especially if you don't have a background in it. And on top yeah, of that, yeah. he's it's he's also saying, like, listen, everything that you thought about yourself, everything you thought about this profession, we're gonna break it down. We're gonna break you down and we're gonna rebuild. Like is is that yeah. kind of the vibe that, that he was giving off on that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, self discovery. Yeah, I yeah. Were you resistant to the idea of self-discovery, though? Or were you like, all right, fuck, I'm, I'm down for a change. I'm, I'm good for it. I, I don't know that I, I really realized that at first. I think I was a little bit resistant. But as I started going through the program, I remember the, the first time I actually like went through that abyss. I, um, I was on the table and I, I was getting cranial sacral done. And um, another therapist in training was working on me. And um, I, I don't want to explain like what what was in my mind as it was happening but i busted out crying i mm. it's like my past 20 years at that time just all flooded out wow, man. and i was like okay this is what he was fucking talking about did and you i know my life changed did you have like a traumatic time before massage school is that is that what's going on here um not so much trauma but just yeah just different things that have happened i don't want to get into yeah, that yeah yeah but, yeah, just yeah, some like, heavy shit though. Yeah, yeah, enough to make me analyze. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you know, I don't know, but yeah, I, it, it kind of made me realize that what he was saying was true, and it was hard getting to open up to that, opening mm. up the floodgates, and like letting myself be vulnerable on a table for ten minutes. Yeah, but um, from that point on, you know, I total game changer. I was like, okay, this is the real deal. I'm yeah. doing this now. Let's do it. I find that so interesting. Like, are you familiar with Rebecca Overson? She's um a business coach. Where's she from? She's from Utah, I think. She's got a Facebook group as well. And uh, we had her on and she was kind of, kind of, she had a very parallel type of thing where she, you know, in her early high school or whatever the case is, she had an injury and she went to go see, I can't remember who the hell the person was to her, but she went to go see someone who was doing cranial sacral or energy work or all that case. And she didn't have any idea about massage therapy. And she had one of those moments that you're kind of describing, right? Kind of like just a mind opening realization of all of this shit from my past and, and how it's truly playing on me now. And I didn't even realize it before. And then it was the realization like, holy fuck, this all came out from this body work stuff. I want to know more yeah. about it. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah, like just mind altering stuff. So how did that change around stuff for you then? Did you do like a 180 on things? Are you thinking about life differently? Are you thinking about career differently? Are you thinking about family money differently? Yeah. It just it kind of just, this whole kind of change in mindset like i don't have to put up this wall mm. i don't have to put up this facade that i'm some macho guy that <laughs> needs to puff his chest you know yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah. so i i remained a power lifter but i don't know it, it just made my training so much better I, I was more in tune with myself how, how do you feel that made your training better because I, I i totally get what you're saying i understand your your inner psyche how your mind works how it's obviously going to affect your physical performance but what did it do differently for you so yeah in terms of training just like they call it the mind muscle kind of connection where you know your your nervous system is very much your mind but it's also your body so yeah. I was able to be in tune, more in tune with how I 
felt. And, you know, before then I, I wouldn't back off if I was feeling like a certain way, you know, my muscles were aching or I just didn't want to be there. Like I, I would still push through it, but sometimes that's not the way to go. Right. So I was able to really, you know, back off or push myself when I, when I felt like it. And I don't know, it just, it just made it all better. What other parts of your life does it change other than, um, other than the training? Just, having more love for my family mm. and my friends and stuff like just realizing what they're going through yeah empathy empathy do your friends and family at this point are they sensing like hey man you're 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 changing and you're changing for a positive and who the fuck are you you're not the guy we knew or is this kind of like a gradual <laughs> onset and they're all like okay yeah he's he's becoming a quote unquote better person and we're we're digging on it i, I don't actually know but I'm, I'm sure they could tell, you know, like you see, you see your certain group, group of people, you know, every day or every week. So mm. it, when you notice something like that, like, like picture your own friends, like if they're going through some stuff and they're changing, you'll probably be able to notice it pretty easily. So yeah, I'm sure they did. But do you ever get to, to get together with uh, all your bros from, from your past and you know what? It's not the same. Like I've had this happen before where, you know, I'm not, I'm not the same fucking guy I was, you know, not even three years ago. Right. So when I get together with people that I've known from like elementary school, from grade one, two, three, four, whatever the case, or even people from my high school or people from my college or university or whatever the case is, like, I don't even feel the same. I don't feel the same towards them. I don't feel the same person. And, and it's very palpable. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it is funny you say that. Yeah. I used to live in Chicago. So it, being in Arizona now, I don't really see a lot of the people I associated with back in Chicago, but mm -hmm. um, my best friend for 20 plus years, we're still friends. Nice. Like we, we've, we've grown with each other and, you know, through, through different changes and stuff. And yeah, you know, we're, we're always talking every day and just shooting the shit and, you know, <laughs> and, um, I, I met my wife after I, I graduated from massage school and started working and everything. And so she, she got the quote unquote, I think the real me, mm. you know, so I'm glad that that happened. Yeah. The best version of you. eh? Yeah. What do you think, uh, her impression of the old version of you would have been? Do you think you would have been able to even score a date with her? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Should be like, uh, goodbye. <laughs> I don't know. Wow, man. It sounds like this had a, such a huge fucking impact on you. That's awesome. Yeah. Love it. I, I wouldn't have changed that part of it yeah. like, for anything. Yeah. And you know, like even just knowing, even just having people know this about you, it kind of changes like their overall view, right? Yeah. Just to, just to know that this type of work that you do being educated in this field now you're this kind of empathetic but still competent power dude do you know what i mean it's i don't know it's fucking i'm mind blown i'm sitting here mind blown it's, it's fucking crazy <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> i'm still mind blown every day how i came this far and you know on this journey so so where is this journey taking you down the road where do you see it going so my plans are to have a platform on the internet for massage therapists. So that's, that is the successful body worker tribe. Mm -hmm. Just have a platform for therapists to commingle and um, have CE courses for them at their disposal to renew their license. Um, my, my strength training program will be on there, mm -hmm. um, an exercise library, blog postings, you know, and different ways for therapists to connect and add a voice to their career. Right on. It's so you know? needed. So I'm, 
Yeah. So yeah, it, it's going to be kind of a, an all-encompassing self-care and burnout kind of platform to, to keep us all in the game. That's a perfect niche, man. I, I totally dig what you're doing. Yeah. And I love that we got to talk about some of the that harder, deeper stuff because it shows that you're just not fucking in this to make a quick buck, do you know what I mean? To sell some therapists some stuff. Yes, it's going to add value and it's going to change around what they do or how they can, you know, further go in this field or pursue their life throughout this field. But it's coming from a place that fucking means something. Do you know what I mean? It's not, you're, you know, Zach's not the dude that's out to, you know, sell you something. He's actually out there to help you. Yeah, I dig absolutely. It. Yeah. So you also play music. I want to know about your band, man. So you sound like you got three major passions. You sound like the powerlifting is a passion. Your massage therapy and education and, and building a platform for all therapists is another passion. It sounds like you got three legs going on here. And then the music side of things. Yeah. Let's hear the music side of things, man. Tell me about that because uh, I'm a I'm a little bit of a musician myself. I know I've seen some videos. <laughs> <laughs> Shitty videos. Yeah, I, I love those uh, song of the the song of the day videos where you play bass and we have to figure out the song fucking love that name the bass line <laughs> so i i know every single song because i'm a bass player yeah yeah <laughs> i yeah. know every single song that you that you have posted i'm like yeah i've yeah, gotten it <laughs> but um so yeah I, I played bass for for 20 years and um I've, I've been in a few rock bands one in 2008 and i i, I played with a band called apocrypha in chicago mm. and that was like 2012 or 2013 until 2015 that was like a death metal band that was nice. really really heavy i played a played a five-string bass and uh you know just really low and sludgy yeah, and yeah, fast yeah and then uh my band now in in phoenix I, i'm actually in a band with my brother which was which is freaking awesome and um yeah so we, we play it's it's basically a love child of uh 90s rock and um 80s hair metal and uh 70s trip rock and mm. you know it's it's kind of a lot of things but uh, i i bring the the funky bass beats and um <laughs> we have a drummer who's kind of funky too and we have a guitar player who's uh, likes metal and Metallica and stuff like that. And yeah. My brother is in a lot of the same stuff I am. So, so it's a, a love child of different things. How do you find your players? Like when you were in that band in Chicago, were these people that you knew or were they, hey, they, these guys were just looking for a bass player and you happened to be, you know, a killer bass player and they're like interested in you. You had to audition or are these people you knew. I'm always interested in this shit because like I play music, but I've always kind of played with one dude i mean always in some sort of configuration somehow but it's always been with the same guitar player vocalist we've always played together yeah. i mean he does other things as well but every time i played it's been with him and i actually don't feel that comfortable playing with many other people but um it's always been with him so i'm always interested in bands and how they find people or how you end up being in a band yeah it, they've always just been either friends or acquaintances yeah. Like acquaintances of friends, you know, that um, the heavy metal band, I, I met the guy through another one of my bandmates and started playing with them. So, yeah, yeah. yeah and the, my band now is with my brother. So does the brother thing ever make you uh, make you guys butt heads even more so? Because I don't know if any every anyone who's in a band knows exactly what we're talking about, how it's like a fucking <laughs> dysfunctional family the majority of the time. But when it's sweet, it's fucking sweet. And that overrides the majority of the dysfunction that exists. Yeah, it's honestly sweet 90, 95% of the time. Like, we, we, we never fight. Oh, right on. You know, like, we, we, have our, we have our bad days where we're just crabby yeah. practicing. And, you know, we don't want to really talk to any one of each other. But, 
I mean, he knows he knows that I can throw him through a wall if he <laughs> mouths off. You know, so. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Don't mess with me, motherfucker. <laughs> right on. So you guys are doing all original stuff, I assume. Who who's the who are the who are the writers on this? It's mainly um the guitar player and my brother. Yeah. Yeah. So and then they, they bring in some material and then uh, me and the drummer just kinda toss around some rhythms and just put it together as a whole. Right on. It's a it's a pretty standard process you know yeah yeah but yeah. it's good it's that's what works for us yeah the formula's there yeah. it's nice to have a formula that works yeah we do mainly originals but we just started um putting together covers too just to get out and gig more and just make a little bit of money you know what to add to our band account you know absolutely nothing is fucking wrong with doing covers i remember when i used to play a lot more and there always used to be people in our fucking band. They're like, no, we don't want to do covers. We don't want to be that band. I'm like, listen, motherfucker, Rolling Stones do covers. Guns N' Roses yep. does covers. The Who does covers. Yeah. Like all of these, Van Halen fucking made it on covers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, some of the best bands do covers. Yeah. It's, exactly. It's silly to, to, to not even entertain the idea, especially if you're almost paying homage to your influencers. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So where do you want to go we, with... Yeah, we love playing the covers. Yeah, so especially when you take a little spin on it, you know, you either down-tempo them or you play it up nice and hard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's great. So what do you want to do with the music? Do you have a plan with the music or, or, or is this just kind of a hobby thing or you or, are you guys getting paid for stuff? Do you have recordings out? What's the deal there? Well, um, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I think the band wants to, to take off a little bit, but it's, it's, it's very slow moving. We all have full-time jobs, you know, and this is just a hobby, I would say, right now. But we are looking to have some recording time this month or next month, possibly, right just to, to put out an EP of good sounding originals, you know, yeah, good yeah. quality and um, just to have something to hand, hand to places that we play, venues and stuff. But um, yeah, we one of our main goals is to to tour the U.S. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, like uh, pack up a van and everyone crowds in and sleeps on the floor of hotel rooms and that kind of shit. Yeah getting mcdonald's three times a day <laughs> usual <laughs> so do yeah. you do you have kids no kids all right Just, so uh, fur babies if fur babies so if this was something yeah. that actually ended up happening like hey guys we got some gigs and we can schedule these to travel all the way up the coast are you down with it? Like, is your is your partner like, yeah, sure, let's go? Or is this like you're flying solo? What's the deal on this? Because I've thought about all of these things when when I was playing. I'm like, oh man, I don't I don't know what I need to do here. How would you handle this? Well, um, if everything goes well, um, we will be hopefully within financial freedom. So hopefully, I'll just bring her with. Mm. Yeah. All right. What are your plans to get to? That's, that's what I would want. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for okay. sure. What are your plans to get to financial freedom? Or is that, uh, is that on the download too? Yeah, that's on the download. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it but doesn't you'll, involve... You'll hopefully find out soon enough. All right. As long as it doesn't involve like <laughs> ski masks and robbing banks and you're calling me up for bail money, then I, then I think I'm good. <laughs> no, no Bonnie and Clyde shit. Okay. Just, uh... <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so I got a question for you then. My question yeah. is, major record label, here's your stuff. And they say, fuck, we want to work with these guys. It's going to require you to quit doing everything that you're doing right now. Do you take that opportunity? <laughs> it's a tough Shit, one. Shit, Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, here's how we feel yeah. about major record labels. Yeah, it's good exposure. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not okay with selling myself to 
the big corporate record labels. Mm. You know, it's a way to to make it big, but they're kind of dumbing down our music in the process, right? Yeah. A lot of them. So I don't know. I, I don't know that I would personally want to do that. It's, you know? a, it's honestly, it's a tough go too, because at the end of the day yeah. in this, in this very digital space where your music can be accessed anywhere, where you can put your music on Spotify, you can put your music on iTunes, you can collect money for all this stuff. If you want to go old school and print CDs and sell them and then get them into distribution into various places that still sell CDs, which aren't many of them, you can do all that on your own. The music industry is such a weird fucking go now. Are you familiar with the 360 deal? No. 360 deal. So previously, like before for all of this digital shit. The record label really just kind of was like the bank that fronted you money on a loan. Do you know what I mean? So like they front you yeah, a ton yeah. of money, you um you do the recordings, they'll pay for all that shit. They recoup it all at the end. So it's essentially you're borrowing money from them because they're going to recoup that shit before you even get paid. And then the majority of the times that's when artists make their money when they get out on the road and they start touring because they're getting money from ticket sales from venues. They're getting money from the merchandise that yep. they sell at their shows record labels now are offering artists a 360 deal so it's not just on record sales in stores distributed that was handled by the record label they're offering 360 deals which means we as the record company take a piece of everything we're going to take a piece yeah. of your touring we're going to take a piece of your merch we're going to take a piece of your publishing we're going to take a piece of your writing credits they try to take everything now it's such a fucking hard go if you end up getting signed by a record label yeah and that, that's a nightmare because <laughs> what if uh what if people don't actually like your music you know it's going to be a real fucking tough time yeah the, the music industry is it's such an interesting it's such an interesting space and it, it almost feels like though at least when you listen to kind of like the stories of the the major artists that are out now and how they all got screwed it almost seems like it was a fucking rite of passage where your either management had to screw you or your record label is going to screw you or someone is going to screw yeah. you before you before you fucking make it big i mean even take a look at uh, uh, even when you take a look at the fucking Beatles, right? Paul McCartney and John Lennon, like the majority of the songwriters on songwriting credits on their songs, they didn't even fucking end up owning the publishing for their own fucking music. It's such a weird fucking go. Right, right. So it's like not even, it's not like yeah. they can get paid for their stuff getting played all over the place. And it got to a point, I, I don't know if you know the story of, you know, uh, way back when, I'm probably early, early to mid 80s, or I don't know, sometime in 80s tune. Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson did a duet. I don't know. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah. And 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 the story goes while they were kind of doing the uh, recordings for these and the promos and and the video shoots for these. Michael Jackson was not into music publishing and he was asking Paul McCartney a billion questions about music publishing. And then he ended up (laughs) he ended up buying the publishing for the whole Beatles catalog after attaining all the information from Paul McCartney on how to get into music publishing. What? I never knew that. Yeah, it's fucked up. That's crazy. It is crazy, right? But that Was it that song that was like, I'm a lover, not a fighter? <laughs> um, <laughs> I love you know what I'm talking about? I love your Michael Jackson impersonation. By the way. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's fucked yeah. up. Or even, uh, or I, I I vaguely know these stories just because I hear them every once in a while. Or even like how um, 
with uh, what's that fucking the Beach Boys? How their father who was their manager completely screwed them out of shit, right? He screwed them yeah. out of I think it was writing credits and publishing. And it was probably more the publishing than yeah. the writing credits, right? It's such a such a right. so at the end of the day, if you don't own the publishing, you don't really have much fucking control as to one getting paid when things get played and who can use your stuff when and where. It's such a fucking go. Yeah, so that, that's why I. I don't really want to do it. Yeah, I totally hear so you, man. So if we do, we're going to go our own route. I want to keep our music as original as possible, you nice. know, and the, the way we want to sound. And hopefully people dig that, you know. Right I don't on. think we'll do that. <laughs> where, where, where can, uh, is your music out anywhere right now, even if it's a, a, a YouTube clip from a, a show? So all we have right now is the, the Facebook, uh, our Facebook page. It's um, Last Vultures. Mm. That's our band name. Nice, nice. I'm surprised you don't worry about the brother thing. Look at all the bands with the brothers that fucking end up hating each other, right? Look at Oasis. They it's fucking, not a problem. They fucking hate each other. Look at, look at Black Crows. They <laughs> fucking hate each other. They can't even perform together. You got to dissolve the fucking band because they hate each other. The yeah. Van Halen, they like each other. They just they just can't fucking find a lead singer. They don't like their lead singers. They like each other, but not the lead <laughs> fucking singers. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's not a problem yet, so I don't foresee it. Right on, man. Right on. Hopefully not. Yeah. Totally dig everything you're up to, brother. This is what I want you to do. I Thanks, want sir. you. I want you to uh, tell our audience where they can find your podcast. So give them the name of the podcast again, Successful Body Workers. Give them all the platforms that it's on. Tell them about your Facebook. Tell them about your band. I, I want everyone to know about what you're up to, brother. You sound like a real fucking interesting dude. Thank you so much. So um, my podcast is Successful Body Worker Podcast, and that's on um, Anchor. That's my, my main platform, but it has spread out to Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, um, and uh, yeah, there's there's a few more, but I don't feel like people really listen to those. Yeah. And then um, my Facebook page is um, at Successful Body Worker, and um, on my page you'll find my group too. But that's Successful Body Worker Tribe, and um, at Successful Body Worker on Instagram. Right on, man. I appreciate you being on the phone with me today. I hope that your tribe grows to massive numbers because it sounds yeah. like you're doing some <laughs> sounds like you're doing some really cool stuff. And I am on the edge of my seat waiting to see all this secret shit that you got coming out. One that is going to be the um, the resistance, the endurance, the flexibility, the cardiovascular, the workout, the the how to prep a massage therapist to be physically ready to deal with this job to to add to their longevity i'm on the edge of my seat waiting for that stuff to come out yeah because listen everybody we are hybrid athletes mm, I, like therapists. I like the way you said so that. we we have to think about how our bodies respond to certain things and we are athletes man Ooh, gotta cool. take care of ourselves so in closing then let's give let's give the massage therapist listeners let's give them three three tips on something that they can do, whether it's physical or not, to help them stay active in this career. Okay, three tips. Yeah. Number one, brace your abdominals. Learn how to do that. The simplest terms, like putting a, a belt around your navel, putting the width of two fingers in between the belt and just pushing out against the belt. That's simply how you brace. Think about doing that 60-70% to protect your spine um, when you're lifting anything, when you're sitting down, lifting limbs, anything like that. Brace your abdominals. Number two, know your limits. Yeah. Learn how to place pop, proper boundaries on your schedule. Learn how to say no. Yes. If uh, you, you have to have some time to yourself, say no. And um, tip number three, fucking eat better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say this because, you know, I've 
I've worked at some franchises and everything. And um, a lot of therapists, you know, we're, we're kind of on the move in between sessions and we all buy stuff like McDonald's, fast food across the street. Prepare your meals, have proper, good nutrition, dense nutrition to feel your body because, right, we are hybrid athletes. I love that. So we, hybrid have to athletes. Put, we have to put good nutrition into our bodies, good carbs, good fats, good protein. Right on, brother. We have to have fuel. Right on, man. I dig so it. So those are my, my three tips. Abdominal bracing, know your limits, know your boundaries, and then eat properly. Love it, man. Love it. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thanks for hanging. I totally dig it. Definitely want to have you back on again once you get all of uh, these projects off the ground and uh, everyone's eating them up. Love to have you back on, brother. Oh, yeah, brother. Cool. Well, I think we'll call it a wrap on that, guys. Y'all have been listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. Peace.